Yo guys, what's up? Welcome to the Wabi Sabi Pod, episode sweet 16. <laughs> hey, I'm Candice Kimai. I'm going to be your host for the next 40 to 50, and we're going to have a fucking blast. So I was in Brooklyn, then I was in LA, then I was in downtown LA, then I was back at LAX. Sorry, I'm just moving the mic around as usual. Um, then I went back to Brooklyn, then I went to the Catskills, and now I'm back in Brooklyn. And that was just over the last four days. So I gave a huge conference in LA at the Yellow um, Conference. It was amazing for those of you who came. Thank you for coming. So happy to meet you in person. And I'm so glad that you could see how sexy I am in real life. And I got to sign all of your books. We sold out. Um, and legit gangster like got back on a plane drove in a Cadillac thank you Cadillac uh, I think it was like the new x5 they have it was amazing to my assistant Jade's wedding in the Catskills former assistant best assistant I've had many great assistants but Jade was a rock star she is the Jade that was uh in the dedication from clean green drinks so if you read that book there's a Jade that I dedicated the book to that's how close we were. Um, her smile and her eyes and her spirit have always been beautiful. But um, this weekend, what magic at her wedding. My hand is on my heart. Jade and Ben and your both of your moms I got to spend a lot of time with. I just loved being there. No date, went stag. There were no hot men to flirt with poor me. Um, I was forced to hang out with all the, uh, moms and grams and, and all my old like colleagues who are all women. I just, I had the best time and I made some new friends too, which was so special. I pigged out on like s'mores, pizza, euros, and I ate lots of Momofuku cake. <laughs> it was amazing. Didn't even need to drink. It was so juicy, but yeah, conference, a wedding, and a big interview. So today we're going to run through my Forbes interview and I'm going to give you the juicy uncut version of the Forbes interview. So I normally don't share with you the first draft of my answers, but since this is my podcast and we do whatever I want, we're going to talk through my real answers before they get edited out. Because um, the editor that worked with me on this, Joni Sweet, the actual writer for Forbes, was amazing, and she has to stay within a certain word count. So I tend to write as much information as possible when working on a project. So I want you guys to take a lot of notes today, um, and when you are a writer or content creator, pr producer or director or an artist, it's always best to start with as much information as possible. So number one... We're going to talk about like how more content and then from there what you do is you mold it like clay when you're forming something or you also could refer to it as like a piece of wood and you whittle it to perfection or a piece of clay and you mold it to perfection. 
So the first question that Joni asked me was, you sound like such a badass on your podcast, yet you aren't afraid to get real and show pain on your pod, Wabi Sabi. How did you build the confidence to be so fiercely authentic? Okay, so my answer to this really is I'm not really that fiercely confident. I think I'm just really honest because my immigrant parents tore it up when I was little. And by that, I mean, they were just honest and truthful. And they always said, be a good person, do great work, and focus on the goal and the task at hand, and do it with integrity and do it with grace. They didn't really say a whole lot of that either. They just did it. You'll also notice I talk about how my parents still treat me like I'm in high school or college, which is true. My mom is indeed a tiger mom, a nicer one, but she's still a tiger mom. And I also talk about how I am a self-made small business owner, which means that I am under the realization that there is an ebb and flow to my career, to my finances and my love life. That means that I am aware of wabi-sabi. Everything is supposed to be perfectly imperfect, guys. Did you know that when I went stag to Jade's wedding that I thought there would be a line of like 10 hot single men that I could flirt with all night? And what I would have done is had like 10 glasses of wine, maybe not 10, like probably like three. Um, <laughs> wouldn't have touched the Momo Fuku cake, like all of that. Or is it Momo Milk Bar, whatever, same thing. The main thing to note is to never have expectations of anything to go into everything knowing that it is exactly in divine timing the way that it is supposed to be. And to answer her question, I say what we always say on this podcast. So number two, we learn, be consistent. What are we going to learn in this interview today? Number one, more content. So the more answers you give to people, the better. And then they mold it to perfection. Be honest in what you're speaking to. Be thorough. And then number two, be consistent. Anyone can share their success story. Sure, everybody has an exciting beginning. I share the middle with you, the gray area, the chaotic roller coaster where we all struggle the most. I take on heavy blows from every angle and they will always, and they meaning you, always see me get back up brush that dirt off. And I do it with a smile. Now, next, Joni wrote, you write in your first chapter of Kintsugi Wellness that there is no secret. And in order to feel and feel really whole, we have to do the work. This attitude really resonates with me, but it seems like you're saying something quite different than the other parts of wellness culture, which expect crystals and oils to provide self-actualization. How can you reconcile that? And do you think that there's a place for both approaches towards self-care? So here's my answer to this question, which, by the way, Joni, I thought was a very smart question because many of us associate wellness with healing crystals and hot oils and big baths and massages and yoga pants. But really, here's how I balance this out. I say there is certainly room for everyone's wellness rituals, whether it's meditation, going for a long run, hiking, spending time with your real friends or family, or maybe it's the rose quartz, lavender oil spray, Epsom salt bath with a charcoal red clay face mask for good measure. 
there isn't really a magic bullet to becoming whole. However, recovery can be quite painful. And so for me, the grounding wellness rituals, however trendy in ancient philosophy, to me were vital. I studied my ancestry closely for the book, and I'm currently researching from the locals in Sardinia and Okinawa, and I'll soon be traveling to Costa Rica to study also with the monks across Asia. The more ancient practices I learned from the elderly and wise, that means the monks, those who survived war, those who escaped death, the more I learned that resilience, gratitude, and being of service and being good to your inner circle is far more important than anything you could possibly buy. Now have a little think on that. I would repeat myself, but that was long and I'll sum it up. When you sit with a 90 year old interviewing them, by the end of your interview, when they talk about how they had no clothes or shoes during the war, at the end of the interview, when you find out that they virtually saw ships come in and bombs being dropped, at the end of the interview, when I find out that my grandmother and grandfather ran and fled out of Tokyo, left all of my Japanese grandfather's dreams behind in the big city, and escaped back to the country in Kyushu because they were being bombed by the Americans. I find this more passionate and more real. And I connect this to the writing that I do now because I feel that these stories are so important and vital by experience, by vulnerability, by relatability. We're able to connect with the perfectly imperfect moments that our elders have actually experienced. So if you want to sit there and tell me that all these different crystals and baths and things are going to heal me, sure. Like I believe in all that juju too, but not as much as I believe in the stories of my grandparents who escaped death. Just saying. Like I said, I'm a little older than you guys probably think I am. Not really that old, but I just, I have wisdom from the years of writing and experience that I've done. And I don't really play small anymore. I play with the big leagues. I play with the big boys. I live in New York City. I've been crushing it. You know, to be interviewed by Forbes, like I feel that I'm okay to take a little breather and say, Candace, you've done well. And as a woman... Number one is a woman, and number two is a Polish-American, Japanese-American woman. Um, I usually don't toot my horn at all, but I want to say, you know, good job. It's okay for you to share your wisdom with others now. It's true, though. There is no magic bullet. So a lot of you have also asked me, like, tell me a little bit more about actionable advice so number three on my list from the interview would be about the actionable ancestral, like traditional advice. Uh, the one thing I think that I really learned from almost everyone I've interviewed who's survived war was um, sort of like this very calming sense of gaman, which is being resilient with grace. Don't complain. 
don't suffer, learn to tolerate, learn to be strong from deep inside. Take a deep breath. You are so blessed. You are in a good place today. We're talking about fun stuff. And hey, just poking you. My life is so fucked up. Like, I can't go through the list of stuff I'm working through right now. I'm not going to tell it to you because it'll make your head spin. But I want you to know that my life is not perfect. It doesn't matter how many magazines interview me. It's not perfect. All right. Now, moving on um, to the next question that was asked from Forbes, we talked about three or four of my favorite ingredients for wellness and what are their creative uses. So this was really interesting because I immediately geared my brain towards prevention and nutrition through food. So I really only listed out three things that are food related that really helped me. Technically, four we're in the uncut version. So the first one that I listed was matcha. Matcha is simply powdered green tea leaves. It's made from shade grown, steamed and then dried and specially ground tea leaves. And although it is trendy now, matcha does have this long history that's been enjoyed by the Japanese monks and samurai. Matcha includes the whole tea leaf, so it trumps all other teas. It has more antioxidants, more vitamin C, more L-theanine, more amino acids to promote relaxation and focus at the same time. The major goals. Matcha Love is indeed the brand that I use and I make this daily. My family has had uh, their Chasen and Chawans, the bowl and the whisk, passed down to me over the years. And I have been developing everything from matcha pancakes to matcha coconut lattes to my famous famous vegan matcha cookies uh, that Dr. Oz once looked at me and said, oh, these are orgasmic. And I didn't know what to say to him when he said that on set. I was like, uh, yeah, bro. <laughs> I was so weirded out. I was like, okay. I don't know how to respond to that, but they're surely delicious. Um, so I've showed everybody from Dr. Oz to Kathy Lee and Hoda to Wendy Williams, like how to make this delicious matcha powder. I also want to note to you guys, because you know that matcha is an ancestral traditional tea that I've been making for the last decade of my career. Um, I do think it's important to note that my first download is going to be on my matcha masterclass 101. So you can actually download it for $19.95 um, for early birds. So I want you to sign up for my newsletter to make sure that you get your first dibs on the wait list. So you can pre-order now. Again, that's the Matcha Masterclass 101 download. You can pre-order it now. It's $19.95 for early birds and um, pre-sale will be up for a little while. And also by you contributing to my work and learning more about matcha and how it can improve your whole life and help you to slim down and sharpen up and to look and feel your best to prevent aging and possibly even disease, this Matcha Masterclass 101 doc is certainly special. And it's also a way to support me through my business endeavors. 
And I really thank you guys for being so badass. I don't put ads on my pod right now because I want you to just get all this information. So again, for the Forbes interview right now, I'm just listing off these incredible ingredients for wellness and the creative uses that you can have around them. Another ingredient that we don't talk about a lot is miso paste. So miso is one of the best staples to have in your household, especially if you're vegan. It's made out of fermented soybeans, koji, aspergillus, or zate, or zate, however the fuck you say it. Water and salt is what it's made out of. <laughs> don't ask. I study all this stuff all over Japan and I just... It's all about the food, always. Miso does come in three basic varieties. So it's white, which is shio, red, which is aka, and awase, which is a mix of white and red. So the darker the miso, the more intense the flavor. It's just like beer, guys. Miso is typically cooked in savory Japanese dishes, but I actually like adding it to my grain bowls, my pasta, even my mac and cheese gets a little pat of it. Um, it's great for depth and flavor. And don't forget about Japanese umami. It's also got benefits to help boost your immunity, your brain health, and your digestive health. And if you didn't know that, that's because miso is made out of fermented soybeans, like I noted earlier. It has good for you bacteria, which means it's good for your gut and your brain health. So again, these are my favorite ingredients for wellness. When Forbes came to me for this interview, I wanted to make sure that I was very honest and truthful. I don't use any magic bullet stuff. I don't take any pills. I don't take any prescriptions. I don't really drink that much unless it's celebratory. And I get a lot of sleep. I drink a shitload of water. And I drink matcha every day. And I have miso. And I also have my third ingredient every day as well. And I'm getting hungry. Um, I love apple cider vinegar. So this is another ingredient that really helps with its natural enzymes. It balances your pH levels, aids in digestion. It can help to boost your immunity and also can be used in everyday foods like salad dressings, marinades, soups, and smoothies. Um, I wanted to also note to everybody who read this Forbes piece, because we're talking like business people, people from all over the world, um, strategy, marketing, advertising, all of these people who are reading Forbes need optimum nutrition in their life. Because if you want to perform well, you better eat well, you better sleep well, you better take care of your body and work out. And these are the ingredients that I truly believe that are true, true ingredients for wellness. No juju needed. <laughs> Komesu also translates to rice vinegar in Japanese. Rice vinegar is also used in my dressings, marinades, and for making sushi. There's an ingredient called sushi su, which is sushi vinegar, and it's what you use to make sushi. It's really simple. It's actually just rice vinegar plus salt plus sugar. And the Japanese have an incredible way of balancing flavors through those three ingredients. So next time you're cooking, make sure to add like a big brightness of acidity to your foods by adding vinegars. They are so bomb. Shoyu, which translates to soy sauce in Japanese, is a staple seasoning that's made out of fermented soybeans also. You guys see a pattern here? <laughs> not only do I focus on ancient ingredients, not even by any accord of trend or precision and focusing on ancient ingredients by nature, 
My whole palate just loves ancient Japanese foods. I don't know why. It's crazy, but it's true. My body gravitates towards these ingredients, which is why I've always cooked with them. It may be because I've been eating Japanese since I was born, but my job as a messenger is to share this with you. So say you're listening to this podcast for any sort of inspiration. Remember, the next time you write, the next time you create, you produce, you do a painting, the next time you're doing a story, the next time you're doing an interview, think about what makes you special and unique. Go deep. Go big go real. Fuck what anybody thinks. You know, 10 years ago, people told me not to cook Asian. They told me, make sure you don't pigeonhole yourself. (sighs) I don't even know where I would be if I never heard any of that advice. But, you know, being teased as a kid for being Japanese, having my editors and producers tell me not to write or be or direct or shoot or host to Japanese, I was like, very distorted in my thinking, growing up Buddhist and Christian and Catholic with a Japanese mom and a Polish American dad, looking mixed, having a, you know, a mixed name, all of that. That's so confusing. Uh, There was a lot of distortion with my identity as a child. But when you look inside of who you are and what is in your heart and what you're drawn to, You can definitely get a really accurate and real and authentic depiction of who you really are. That's why I constantly talk about these foods. Again, shoyu, I recommend a low-sodium soy sauce. I also really love tamari from Sanjay, an organic tamari shoyu that you can use in your dressings and your marinades and to season anything, including your guacamole. Yes, you should be adding soy sauce to that. Also, you can add it to your butternut squash mac and cheese, to any of your soba noodles, or to finish off any of your soups. Try trading just regular boring table salt with shoyu and get some fermented benefits. Why not, guys? You don't have to take a probiotic every day. You can eat foods like soy sauce, apple cider vinegar with the mother, or miso paste. Okay, so another question the writer asked me was, When did you realize that your heritage and your love of travel would turn into a business? Can you share how those personal passions and philosophies evolved into your many books, website, podcast, beautiful photography, and everything else you work on? So here's my real answer. While I wrote so many basic cookbooks before I realized I was supposed to stand out, being teased as a kid for being Asian or told by my editors and producers not to be too Asian... I didn't want to be who all of these media heads wanted me to be. I simply wanted to be myself and write. And that's why the podcast, shooting my own images, publishing, and working on my own video content became so powerful. It was me saying as an artist, I want to create beautiful things even if nobody cares, much like Saul Bass once said. I want to create beautiful things, even if nobody cares. And I said about seven years ago, I went to study with the elders in the middle of Okinawa, in the caves, in the jungles, in the mountains of Koyasan with the monks. And even when I held my bachan's hand for the last time in Kyushu before she passed away, these were the moments that I took notes on. 
This to me was wellness and it is what I share in my work. I think I said it all in that mouth, in that mouth load, whatever. You know what I meant. (laughs) It sounds like your work keeps you crazy busy. What are some non-negotiable self-care practices that you do every day, no matter how packed your schedule is, and why do you focus on those? So again, if you guys want to read all of these answers real time, like sit down with a cup of matcha and read these on like, you know, Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, please do. It was such a brave and true and tried interview. It's one of the best I've ever given. Took me a long time to think about what I really wanted to say. And I, um, I didn't realize how many people were looking to me to pioneer this space. So here's how honest I was in answering this question. I said, I really hate running so much, but I forced myself to do it because I always feel better afterwards. I'm a yoga and bar junkie. I eat fresh vegetables every day. I try to eat something fermented every day. I feel very good when I'm lean and fit, and I prioritize my body's health as much as I do my mind. I do try to meditate three to five times a week. Guys, that doesn't always happen, so you know. (laughs) And make sure to see my friends at least three times a week. That does happen. Mom and I do talk often, and she makes me laugh and smile. That does happen. Here's where I get pretty deep. I said I also pray for others every day, and I make sure to send prayers out to those who even don't like me. And that's very true. I do hope for the best. And I'm trying to learn how to lower my expectations of others. I do love sleep and I try to get as much of it as I can. I do travel often and well. I make sure to see the globe through a different lens each year. And I believe that travel and interviewing those who have survived war, escaped death and have peace and wisdom to share with us is of utmost importance. So I try to reprioritize what I've focused my work on. It's not the healing crystals and oils. It is talking much more about resilience, gaman, wabi-sabi, being perfectly imperfect and having an adventurous life through a different lens. That's attractive to me. Another question, what surprised you when you were writing your new book, Kinski Wellness? Well, I said, wow, it took me over three years to fully develop and write. I always knew I was a perfectionist, but this book took things to another level. I wanted to make sure my Japanese family and my family in Japan and Japan knew that I was going to be honorable with this book that was devoted to them. My grandmother, Bachan, was passing away when I wrote this book, and I was fortunate enough to see her in the hospital a few times before the final time that we parted. I learned that my capacity to love others was much deeper than I had ever imagined, and I learned that I would have to pioneer a fresh space of heritage-based wellness. The superficial, materialistic parts of wellness that are based off of clickbait, marketing, and dollars had started to take over the wellness sphere. And I never, ever, ever believed that that was what wellness was about. I reflected on how remarkable my parents were, quite possibly the two best characters that I have ever met. I felt much gratitude and deep gratitude for how unique they were and still are. 
My childhood, though, was not perfect. They were very tough on my sister and I. But I came. But I could come to them for anything. My mother had helped me to edit this book for years. She is indeed a Japanese language and cultural teacher in California. And my dad helped me to continuously push me towards my goals. Kaizen. He keeps me humbled by making sure that I know that integrity and hard work are what show results. My sister joined me through Tokyo, Koyasan, Beppu, Kyushu, and Okinawa to help me document this book. We fought a lot. No, Jenny and I are not best friends, and I know a lot of you are relieved when you listen to my pod and you find out my sister doesn't talk to me that often. So keep in mind, not everybody has a BFF relationship with their sibling. And it doesn't mean that we don't love each other. We fucking love each other. We just don't talk like BFFs. Each of my family members are different. But when I look back on their time and the help that they gave me for this book, I am grateful. (coughs) Excuse me. So much of your new book, Kinski Wellness, is compromised of actionable, practical advice. Now, it just makes sense when you read it, but why aren't most of us practicing these simple things already? Why is it useful to have reminders from books like yours? So I don't actually think that this question made it into the piece. So this is really interesting. So listen closely. Here's what I said. What's difficult is that the Western world... In the Western world, we're raised with completely different philosophies and practices like, quote unquote, positivity and, quote unquote, speak loudly. Now, much of, quote unquote, success is based off of how much money, fame, beauty and power one has. We put a premium on the next hot thing and rarely ever look back. For me, this book was an opportunity to look back way back. Looking to our ancestors and learning their stories, helping us actually dive forward spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. The ancient Eastern practices are, to me, quite humbling. I wrote about a different perspective and actionable ancient practices that we could all use in our modern world In actuality, once I figured out my table of contents in Kintsugi Wellness, I decided I would write about the practices that were instilled in my everyday life. I then chose to go to Japan and restudy what I learned when I was a very little girl in kindergarten at five years old, the first place that my little five-year-old's feet ever touched ground out of the U.S. was Tokyo. My parents met in Tokyo. My grandparents fled from Tokyo when the Americans were bombing. And my mother was a school teacher and went to university in Tokyo. Many things happened in Tokyo that is a place to me of privilege and honor and grace and my heritage. And it's where traditions are born for me. I feel a deep and honorable gratitude towards Tokyo that I don't really feel in other parts of the world. And now... All of you are understanding this. So I also note in this, I say, I began going to Japan 
at five, I was lucky enough to see and feel and experience the Japanese lens throughout my formative years. But my Japanese mother is a huge part of this answer. She did raise Jenny and I by example, as did my father, who is Polish-American. There is a saying in Japanese, Oyanose womite kowa sodatsu. And it does translate to, children learn by what their parents do, not by hearing what they say. My mother's talent, her grace, her honor, and lifestyle. That is what I watched, and this is how I learned of the Japanese practices in Kintsugi Wellness. They are easy, and they are all actionable, and you can do them every day. I learned of kyotsukete, which translates to take great care. I learned of wabi-sabi, which translates to celebrating imperfection every day. I learned of kintsugi, the art of golden repair. Things are foreseen as more beautiful after they are cracked open and then sealed, healed, and mended with golden repair. And of course, I share gaman with all of you. Gaman with great resilience and tolerance because you can get through anything. These are all practices and all actionable advice that you can do every day, and they're all written in my new book. I'm washing my sneakers right now. <laughs> I do not want to hear the laundry beeping anymore. Sorry, guys, had to close the door. Okay. I know, I really am a very DIY girl. I get it. I'm very rare. <laughs> okay, so um, my mom and dad are also good and humble people. They volunteer and they teach and they work hard. And they're not into money or fame. So I think to me, I learned that character and staying humble did matter. They still volunteer every week. And naturally, my sister and I have followed suit. We don't really care about money or fame either. And in fact, my sister and I are both small business entrepreneurs, and we both have struggled tremendously through our work, but we keep going continuously because that is the practice of Kaizen. That's the Japanese anthem of Kaizen, continuous improvement, which is instilled in both of us. It would be a shame and disgraceful to fail at this point. So my sister and I keep going. The common family tie that we all have, and I hope that all of you as my listeners have as well, is that we keep a deep commitment to service. As my mother says, Candice, if you can do something great with your life, why not? You know, I was always scared about writing about Japan. It's intimidating, it's an immaculate culture, and the book may appear to be a golden-wrapped collection of philosophy, food, culture, travel. For those of you who have it, please share the book with others. It is written to help, to prevent, and to nourish all of you. It's far from perfect, though. The years that it took to develop, write, and photograph were indeed perfectly imperfect. 
There were a lot of tears, pain, and sweat equity banked behind that book. Now she asks, speaking of, we've heard that you photographed your book as well. How did that come about? So I said, well, I began to see that my lens was different than everybody else. I was surprised that I could train myself to shoot food. I was so broke back in Brooklyn about seven years ago. I focused on learning new skills because that is what I had to offer. Now, my dad, who is a man of few words, helped me to get a Canon Rebel one year, and it was for the holiday. By the way, that terrible noise is a very, a very boat outside. I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, fucking fairy is ruining my juicy story right now. <laughs> Okay, so my dad, God, I'm such a fucking nerd. My dad, who really is a man of few words, did help me to get a Canon Rebel a long time ago, guys. And he normally, like, barely talks for everybody who knows him. He's, like, a true man of grace and honor who doesn't speak a lot. Served in the U.S. military. Is so amazing and honorable, smart and brilliant. Nuclear auditor, all that. He never really took me to the camera store to buy me ever equipment. But I, I think for some reason he felt like... He loved taking photos and I watched him be an amateur photographer my whole life. And so I was like, dad, I, I need your help. Like I'm so poor and all we could afford was a Canon Rebel. And I, I really made no money um, as a writer and I made no money as a line cook. So I knew that if I could learn how to shoot a camera, it would be the smartest way for me to save cash, share my work, and develop my storytelling lens. And I put bonus. This is this is like totally taken out of the of the interview. It says the less egos that you have to deal with, you have less egos to deal with when you know how to do more of the work. And that's true. I also know that you guys heard in the last podcast, number 15. That I was absolutely robbed of much of my younger days. I was robbed of money and integrity and clout and respect because I was too kind and too young and too naive and too vulnerable and I got taken advantage of by other photographers, other food stylists. People chose to treat me like shit. And you know what? Karma's a fucking bitch. All right. Your Japanese heritage inspired your overall approach towards nourishment of the mind, body, and spirit. But one thing I love about the book is how you've made Japanese philosophies and recipes accessible to everyone. Thank you, Joni. Which is why Japanese culture is something we should all look towards for wellness. Well, here's a little story about Japan that also didn't make it into the final cut. This you'll find very interesting. Keep in mind with an open mind that this is the bigger picture on Japan. So if you're planning on going to Tokyo for 2020 and the Olympics or to visit Japan over the next decade, this is good info to know. Japan was actually closed off from the outside world during the Edo area, also known as the Tokugawa period, for almost 300 years, from 1603 to 1867 to be exact. This period was noted by some as the last period of true Japanese tradition of economic growth, internal peace within Japan, led by the shogunate 
military leadership and samurai prior to the Meiji Restoration period of 1868. Now, this restoration period of Japan was what brought the country into the modern era, which opened up Japan to the rest of the world. So to tidy that up in a bow for you, Japan was closed off for almost 300 years from 1603 to 1867. It was the last time that Japan and its true traditions and economic growth and eternal peace were led by the shogunate, a military leadership like the samurai. Samurai is not made up shit, guys. It's real shit. My microphone is just falling all over the place. Here we go. The life of a DIY girl. <laughs> fucking microphone. Stupid Sharpie. Everything. The fucking fairy. All of it. Anyways. <laughs> Cece's next to me today. No asthma today, huh, See, No asthma today. Now, what we're saying in this, though, is that Japan was seriously closed off from the rest of the world, which means that a lot of its traditional practices are still there. The Japanese like to say one foot in, one foot out, which still really stands true because they love, as my mom says, you know, we really enjoy the Western world and we welcome it, but we like tradition too. We really enjoy following a Japanese way. But we are open to new modern culture. So, mommy married a white guy. So, I think that the, that says it all. <laughs> that means have an open mind. Keep it chill. And you know what? Love conquers all at the end of the day. It really does. My parents are fucking awesome. They broke all the rules. Even though they act like they're, like, not rule breakers. They totally are. Maybe that's why I'm such a rebel. Anyways, why do I have to get pinged all the time for being such a rule breaker? So between the 1600s to the late 1800s, Japan's pure, deep-rooted, unique, and exquisite culture began to take shape. And their traditions were enhanced and refined. And they were influenced within their own originality. Japan then began to blossom into the world's most beautiful and prized cultures. One of the most beautiful and prized cultures. There are many in this world. Still to this day, the Japanese culture does not go unnoticed. I continue to say, in a sense, my work, this sort of coming out as I encourage my readers to develop and share a personal brand of wellness, my work is really about just improving your life, number one. Number two, with no bullshit. And it's about taking actionable everyday practices that you can utilize in your everyday life in a modern world. Everything that I share with you helps to shape and improve my own life. It is the Japanese anthem of true wellness that inspires me. A few that you can practice every day. And if you want to elaborate on each of these guys, please Pick up Kintsugi Wellness so you can learn, gain more knowledge, and become a motherfucking badass hustler. All right, number one, again, is Kaizen, continuously improving. Number two, Kintsugi, mending your life with golden repair. Number three, the name of this podcast, Wabi Sabi, 
the indeed deep and liberating celebration of celebrating imperfection. Gambate, always doing your best. I don't give a fuck how many people are ahead of you and how many people are behind you. You always do your best. That is the Japanese anthem of gambate. If you have it in you, then you know it and you do it and you live it. You don't know it, good luck to you. Won't even remember you the next time I see you. Gaman, with great resilience. Always stay resiliently tolerant in enduring all pain and suffering. If you do so, work through your problems, acknowledge them, live in the moment every day. These are the practices you can do every single day, you guys. Take notes on those. Now, here comes some of the fun stuff. Joni continues to ask, so what piece of advice would you now know that you would have told yourself 10 years ago and why? This is all I really said. Don't be an ingrate shithead and don't tell people that you're so busy because nobody cares. Another question. Wellness has a long, come a long way in the last 10 years. Where do you see it going in the next 10? What's on the horizon? So here's my answer to this. Very important for all of you wellness junkies out there, which is probably every single one of you that listens to this podcast. So one of them I said was optimizing mental health on the regular and checking in with others more often. Make sure you do that every day. Beauty products are going to evolve into greener pastures. And I pray that we cut down on the chemicals being used in our food and self-care products. Monsanto, you can go to hell, and so can everybody that works for you. Whoops, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. And learn to be kind to all, towards animals, and towards one another. I hope that empathy and kindness become the new norm. Compassion, my hand is on my heart, is such a beautiful trait. I pray for those who really don't even like me to have more compassion in their hearts. Old media will eventually evolve and creatives will be able to thrive with more freedom. I continue to say, looking to our ancestors, the monks, the wise, for wellness and spirituality and being less focused on elitism and profit. Maybe we can focus more on culture, tradition, food and prevention. This will be in vogue. And lastly, Getting off of social media and getting back to nature, travel, cooking, and real life, family, and friends. And my thumbs are really just so over it. Elle Magazine calls you the golden girl of the wellness world. So what is next for this girl? So I'm going to start wrapping this up, you guys, before I answer a few of your questions. So lastly, let's take notes on the interview. Um, I hope you can also take from some of my, the things that are next for me right now. And I hope that you can be inspired by the work that I'm also working on right now to continue your own projects out there as well, guys. This interview was such a pivotal moment. It was a moment of... It was a moment of a milestone for me. And while I don't count milestones really anymore, 
Um, I've been interviewed by, you know, Elle and Shape and Cosmo and Men's Health and everybody throughout the years, but I never had Forbes interview me. So Joni, thank you. And for the opportunity, all of you out there paving your own path and pioneering, I commend you. Because it is the milestones that we must count as we move forward and we take on the roles of pioneering a space that used to be male dominant. Keep going. I said, I'm back to Japan to shoot a documentary on a heritage-based wellness docu with a team of professionals, including um, my friend Marcella. Her father is an oncologist and her cousin is the pastor at the oncologist church. And we're all going to be going to the motherland and shooting a documentary. So excited, Marcella. You are a queen. (laughs) And Daniel and Dr. Contreras. Look up Oasis of Hope, you guys. It is amazing, especially if you know somebody who is fighting their cancer battle. Oasis of Hope. My friend's father is the oncologist there, and they do wonderful work for people. They are truly a group of angels. I'll be podcasting my heart out from Japan when I get there. So we're going to be doing Wabi Sabi over in Japan. Um, We're on a roll because of you guys. I am fucking grateful and blessed. Thank you for listening. I've started to play with writing my seventh book, which would be a paperback about my perfectly imperfect life as a girl in the boys club of food and media from LA to New York. And you'll be able to hear a lot more of these struggles on my podcast. Hey, that you're listening to right now because you're so smart. I also said that I'd be launching the best product ever this fall. You guys better believe it. You can pre-order it. I'll be announcing it on my website, newsletter, and my Instagram. So please follow me at Candice Kumai and sign up for my newsletter at CandiceKumai.com. Write it down. Sign up for Candice's newsletter. Follow her on Instagram. I'll be working on podcast collabs. Yay! With Girlboss. And I'll be continuing my regular writing for Girlboss and Well and Good. Um, And I'm also going to be planning on launching all of my downloads starting with Masha Masterclass 101. So please stay tuned to download that and support my work. So I also would like to go on to say um, sometimes we don't see the greater opportunity in what's in front of us. Sometimes we don't see the bigger picture of where God and the universe or Buddha is guiding each of us, whatever you believe in. When I was speaking in front of Yellow this week, I felt the energy of the audience. I saw people crying. I saw heads nodding. I saw hands going up. Our table afterwards for book signing, not only did we sell out, but the book line was like wrapped around the building. We ran out of books. I I was just like so in love with all the women who came over to speak to me at my table. I just felt like I was in the right place at the right time. Now, I'm so grateful for Joanna and Catherine for having me there by the grace of you and God and the universe and Buddha and everybody watching over me and the angels. Like, I thank you tremendously for bringing me there. 
and I promise to do more speaking events around the country. And I got all of your answers on Instagram of where you want me to go to. So thank you for replying to that. So grateful. The conference was amazing. Not being on my cell phone for the entire flight home was amazing. The next day driving out to the country and not having any service in the Catskills and watching my Jade get married was incredible. You don't need to write back to everybody that messages you all the time. You don't need to follow everyone on Instagram. I started unfollowing a lot of people. And you don't need to be anyone's bitch. When people write to you and overwhelm your head with just like so much. I turn my phone off now like right before I go to bed and I don't touch it for as long as I don't feel like it. Live in the moment, guys. Live in real life. Live without abandon. Is that the word? No, live with abandon. (laughs) Uh, Try to be in the moment. Be present. You don't have to do shit for anyone. Give yourself grace. I went to that wedding stag and I still had a great time. And I'd like to think I look fabulous because you guys tell me I do. Um, And I get paid to look fab. So, you know, (laughs) I work out a lot. Um, But truly, I'm grateful my hands on my heart. So I hope that answering a lot of these questions and showing you more of the uncut interview can help you in your everyday life. I really got deep in there and I got dirty and down and juicy. And I woke up this morning next to Elon Musk. Can you believe it? (laughs) And by that, I mean, we were on the same homepage for Forbes right next to each other. It just felt right, though. And it felt right to say... Hey guys, woke up next to Elon Musk this morning. (laughs) Okay, so now that my microphone fell, (laughs) we're going to answer some of your questions. So sit tight and take one deep breath right now. Oh my god, my phone. I keep my phone out of the room if I can during the podcast. It just like blows up all day. And I really meant it when I said, you know, you don't have to answer everyone back right away. Um, I have like rando men that I've met here and there like text me all the time. Like, what do you want? (laughs) Okay, time to answer your burning questions. I hope some of you girls are single too, or you guys, and you love and laugh at all this. Cause like being single in the digital era is so fun. It's so random. And I really like my freedom. I have a, I have a great time. Okay. So Claire underscore Chun underscore actress asks, you look beautiful as always. And I've been going through some recent life transitions and wanted to ask you, Number one, you have such a great personal and accessible way about you. It inspires people like me to open up. So she said, we are self-made entrepreneurs and I wanted to let you know that your pod has helped me through some really rough transitions. I'm hearing it at work, on the bus, and now while working out. Hey, Claire, thank you. 
you are so sweet. And yes, we go through the transitions together. And I think that's why people really love this podcast. I will always take my mask off for you guys. I have no reason to keep it on. I'm at home when I record these. I do my thing on my own. And I tell you exactly what is going through my head and my mind in real time. And I have no reason to hide who I am or where I'm going or what I'm doing with you. I mean, it, I don't make any money off of this. It's like just real deal shit. <laughs> Somebody asked me about um, Patty underscore Wack asked me, what are your favorite makeup products? So Patty, recently I've been using like flesh bronzers. Their products are really great. Um, there's a couple of different, um, new lip products, believe it or not, Flower by Drew Barrymore has really good lasting lipstick. I was surprised. Um, and I also, every day I use Kula sunscreen. Um, I like using Biosense face oils and, um, mascara wise. I mean, honestly, the orange tube of CoverGirl, I hate to say it, but that is a damn good mascara. In fact, I don't hate to say it. Not everything needs to be full, full green. Um, also for eye color, uh, Urban Decay has been killing it. They have some of the most beautiful colors that are out there. And I'm really just like combing my head. Julep Beauty, I really love their overnight mask. Same with Bosica or Bosha. Um, I love their products because they make you feel glowy and dewy. And I think Buxom... And It Cosmetics make some of the best CC cream and foundation. So Buxom has a great foundation that I love. And then um, the CC cream from It Cosmetics really covers everything up. Um, Chanel eyeliner is fabulous. And I don't want to get too into the beauty stuff because really you are beautiful on your own. I think men just love seeing women without their makeup on. And I mean, you typically look 10 times younger when you show people your true face and your true colors. And don't forget, I don't um, color my hair at all anymore. I just go out natural. And I think it looks great. I use Monate products. Again, you could check my other podcasts and notes for the products that Chrissy and I use for Monate and you can order them. So here's the last question of the day, guys. Chef Lauren Kretzer on Instagram asked me, Hey, Candace, I love your podcast about money. Yo, cash money hoes. She didn't say that. I just said that. I didn't really say that. It's a quote from a Jay-Z song. Okay, so she said, Hey, Candace, I love your podcast about money. You talked about investing in your own business. Now, I've got the education part down, but you talked about investing in floral, wardrobe, makeup, hair, etc. I want to invest in myself, but it seems tough to allocate funds for that, when I have really important expenses like bills, a mortgage, insurance, etc., how do you find this kind of money in the short term and how do you budget out for stuff like this? Okay, great question, Lauren. Now, bills, mortgage or rent, and paying out your staff has to come first. You need to be a responsible person and pay off your credit card also every month. I don't give a shit what you're working on pay your bills on time. Do not put yourself into debt. Flowers and makeup and hair and all that props, all of that can be allocated after you pay the important stuff. If you cannot afford hair and makeup, learn how to do it on your own. 
I do that all the time for shoots. If you cannot afford floral, then make a deal with the flower shop down the street. Ask them for their dumped flowers. I call them wabi-sabi flowers. If you absolutely cannot afford props, then write to all of your friends and colleagues around you that work at a local store, a local distributor, go to a vintage shop, buy plates for a dollar a piece, give back to your community, go to garage sales, go to that secondhand store that donates to charity, go to the Goodwill. You do not need to look far to be fabulous at all. Be smart, use your own resources, learn how to pick up a brush, a pen, a curling iron, a prop, a marble slab, lighting, camera, writing, editing, anything. Get it down on your own. Skills are the one thing that are going to set you apart from everyone else, Lauren. You don't need anything expensive to be fabulous. And when you are broke as fuck, you will learn to get very, very creative. That is where I come from. And that is how I have become a self-made woman who had her first piece written about her ever in Forbes. Beauty, health, and wellness, very quickly. Beauty-wise, I really am looking at Flesh right now. I think it's so great. And Hourglass also, two brands you should look up. Um, for wellness, uh, I'm just going to say that the Yellow Conference was amazing. And I want to say thank you to Joanna, to Catherine, and to my sweet Erica. Oh, my God, you are the sweetest. And she's the one who was helping me on all the books. Erica G, you are a goddess. Um, I had an amazing time working out at Pure Bar, downtown LA. How much fun. And my bestie from uh, junior high, Crystal Day, came and hung out with me at the conference. Thanks for coming, Crystal. It was so good to see you. And I know she was like gushing of like of being a proud sister when I was speaking. But yeah, I brought the house down, guys. I'll eventually post... Um, snips of it on the podcast and on my site. I get a little timid about my speaking events because I get really into them. Um, and cooking. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So we're working on a new product right now and I want you guys to keep your eye out for it. But I mean, real shout out to cooking will be for you to download matcha masterclass download. So check out matchamasterclass.com. Check out my site, Candice Kumai, sign up for my newsletter and you'll get more deets on the matcha masterclass coming up and how you can change your whole life through just one ingredient like I have. All right, babes, um, my days in New York might be numbered. I'm not going to announce anything, but I, I do love all of you. And if you have ideas or questions, please write them on my comments on Instagram. Follow me at Candice Kumai and tell two friends to follow me. There are a lot of giveaways coming up, but I always post meaningful content as well. I'm not one of those people you need to worry about that's going to make, I'm going to make you feel amazing. I'll just put it that way and very real. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing you at some of my next events. I'll announce them soon. And I truly commend each of you for living your perfectly imperfect life. Thanks for listening to the pod. And don't forget to read the full Forbes interview. It'll be on my Insta. Take good care. I love you guys. Didn't need to take a date to the wedding because I love all of you that much. Rolling solo. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously, what a geek. Maybe it's time to start dating again. Yep, it is.